Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Most of us are well acquainted with salsa, that spicy mixture of tomato and chili sauce we enjoy with tortilla chips at Mexican restaurants and at parties with friends. But now we can learn about another kind of salsa. No, not the Latin dance, but a zesty Texas-based initiative known as Successful Aging and Living in San Antonio. Salsa, of course. In today's episode, we will talk with Jane Pachione, the Managing Director of Collective Impact for the San Antonio Area Foundation, which created Salsa with the mission of transforming the community by advancing practices that improve the quality of life of older adults. A passionate and insightful advocate, Jane will explain how Salsa brings everyone to the table, connecting businesses, nonprofits, government entities, thus creating a movement that turns collaboration into collective impact, an approach that's more likely to solve complex problems. She'll describe the work of Salsa partners on issues such as housing, transportation, social engagement, health, and caregiver support. She'll also talk about reframing aging, which is designed to change the narrative about what aging means, combat ageist stereotypes and language, and improve the public's understanding of the many ways that older people can contribute to our society. So now let's meet our guest, Jane Pachione. Jane, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Ron. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're quite welcome. I'm delighted to have you. And as I mentioned when I invited you, that this is the first day of National Older Americans Month. And I'm yep. delighted to have you as our, my first guest. So um, so before we start, Jane, you know, dig into salsa, um, I always like to, um, you know, give my guests a chance to talk about their own life because they often have very interesting, evolving lives. And uh, as I've mentioned, you 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 bring everyone to the table, and you've been at many tables yourself. So so let me just ask you to give us a quick recount of how you got to where you are today, and what brought your interest in this area. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I was born and raised in England. I came to America um, in my early twenties with a six-week-old baby boy. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> strange times. Didn't know anybody. Just my husband and. Uh, so um, it was an interesting time, a New Yorker and uh, an English woman. Hmm. So um, we got stationed down here in San Antonio, Texas, after a few different spots. But we we settled down here in uh, San Antonio, Texas, where um, I guess from an early age, I had the entrepreneurial spirit. So I had a, a small business for a number of years and um, I got into nonprofit leadership management and enjoyed that. And that was the actual stepping stone that got me to the San Antonio Area Foundation hmm. um, to lead the Salsa Initiative, Successfully Aging and Living in San Antonio. The funny thing is, though, I was talking to my mum the other day, and she knows about Salsa. I've been at Salsa like three years. <laughs> but she used to do, we used to have people over our house. And she said, don't you remember, we have people over at the house. And um and I said, well, what was that? And she said, that was age concern. So, <sighs> you know, fast forward a few decades or go back a few decades, my mom was doing similar work to what I'm doing 
um, in the aging and disability um, community. So it's, uh, I guess it's all interconnected. Yeah, it it is fascinating, isn't it? Uh, you know, because when I started doing this, I I realized in a, in a similar way that my dad had been involved. He, he was an engineer, electronic engineer, for you know twenty six years or so, and then he the aerospace industry kind of you know took a different turn, and he ended up doing a number of things. And one of the things he got involved with at the time was um, it, it it didn't work for a number of reasons that were not his uh, fault at all. Um, but working with um, his church, the national church that he was involved with to create a better model of nursing homes. So he was, you know, trying to design nursing homes. This is the 1970s, redesign nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't work because the, they, they ran out of money. But I was like, you know, finding papers of his uh, several years ago, I was like, wow. <laughs> Isn't That's that so amazing? interesting. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like you're carrying on. Um, you're carrying on their work in some way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's unknown legacies, but there it is. <laughs> yeah, it must have. We must have been imprinted as children, and um, we we had no choice. It was going to happen anyway. So right, exactly. So let's let's dive into salsa. Let's talk a little bit about the the initiative and how it was created by the San Antonio Foundation, and and you know about its mission and how it works. Yeah, so the San Antonio Area Foundation um, is the San Antonio Community Foundation. So um, it's there, has a vision to close the opportunity gaps for people in San Antonio with the most need. And so back in 2015, 2016, the Area Foundation went out to the community um, as experts, went out to older adults and community leaders and said, what is it that you need to successfully age and live in San Antonio? And many of the same things that the World Health Organization came up with those eight domains of livability. Mm-hmm. So at Salso, we sort of planted our feet firmly in transportation, caregiving, socialization, um, and housing transportation. So um, that's where we were like, this is where we think we can do the most, the most good. Um, and that's how Salsa started with the voice of the older adult and the community saying, "Hey, we are. We want to. We want to do this because collective impact is not an easy task. It really does mean um, partners who join sort of align their work to salsa, right? To this mm-hmm. north star. Um, and our north star is older adults in San Antonio are respected, thrive, and enjoy connected lives. Mm-hmm. So you know, these aren't. I always tell people when they come into salsa." These aren't meetings. This is a movement. We are doing this work together, um, and it has to align. It can't be. It can't be something extra. It's got to be what you what you do, so it's aligned. Right. So we'll we'll uh, talk more about this in a minute. I just wanted to back up a little bit, and for for the benefit of our audience, um, you know, explain a little bit more about um, you know the World Health Organization's. That you know, so they're they're um, age-friendly model of basically, you know, things that uh, these eight domains that that create uh, communities that are uh, basically uh, benefit people of all ages, including seniors. And uh, exactly, and it, it's yeah. it's good for everybody. Um, so I know that we are thinking, looking older adults 
and I always add, and people with disabilities, because mm-hmm. these are all sectors we can lift up. So yeah, the World Health Age, um, Organization said, we have these eight domains of livability that include transportation, housing, outdoor spaces and buildings, social participation, respect and social inclusion, civic participation, because we got to do stuff, civic participation and employment, community and health services, communication and information. So that's a lot of, that's a lot to do, right? To when you're thinking about it, but just like you said, Ron, it's good for everybody. Right. It's just for older adults. It's good for everybody. So it's something that anybody and everybody should get behind. Yeah. And, and uh, just to add on to that a bit, uh, you know, so in, in here in, uh, in America, uh, the ARP has actually taken up the the mantle, mm-hmm. so they have what they call age friendly communities. But it, it's on the same model, the World Health yeah. Organization model of these eight domains, um, and it's not um, it's tricky. It, it involves really thinking about um, you know when to the extent possible when you start thinking about programs and policies and practices before you set them down. Like okay. What would be what would be provide the maximum benefit to different uh, demographics from the start? And it's hard, right. as you know, because a lot, one of the the obstacles is that that's unfortunately not the way a lot of government and other funding models work. They tend I do to. Think, I do think that's changing, though. I do okay. think that we're maybe I'm a Pollyanna here, but I no. think that we are having more groups understanding that having the lived experience centered in in the work is really important. And I think the disability community got it right when they said nothing for us without us. Mm. So if we're doing things for older adults, we need older adults. If we're doing things for youth, we need the voice of youth. If we're doing things for this disability community, we need the disability community. So nothing for us without us we all need to be and and if we're in a room or at a table where we're trying to help a particular group and you don't see them there lift up your voice to say hey hold on where is the where where are people with disabilities and i'm not just talking one person right i'm talking various disabilities or and when it comes to age you know you can older people are so diverse Make sure you have um, not just gender mix, but, you know, all of it. it. It needs to be just not one person representing a whole community. It needs to be a variety of people with um, backgrounds, differing backgrounds. I think my mom said, if you get to a meeting and all the shoes under the table look the same, you're in the wrong <laughs> meeting. <laughs> Oh, moms still have a lot of wisdom, I'll tell you. Well, they do. They do. Yeah. I'm going to have to do. My mom was really good. She's like, if you've got to eat a frog, don't sit there all day looking at it. <laughs> I'm like, please. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, you, you, you've made a couple of really uh, interesting points. And I think one of them about having, you know, so, we're talking about people with disabilities. I think that's so. Um, when in the in the in the here in in America in, in the um, early '90s, I was involved in covering the Americans with Disabilities Act, yes. um, and I remember at that even in that time thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, just as you were saying, so, so two things. One is that um, what's good for people with disabilities 
is generally what's good for everybody, just like for older people. And even the accommodations, as you well know, um, once they're in place, people who are able-bodied um, go like, wait a minute, this is this is better than we have now. You know, right. it's if if it fits for the for this group of people, it's it fits, it's even better for everybody. It reminds me of curb cuts, right, Ron? Curb cuts were originally for people with disabilities. It's good for skateboarders. It's good for delivery people. It's good for runner. It's good for everybody. So I I definitely think that you know the ADA did go a long way in 1990 to changing that physical piece on the outside, but didn't go a long way to changing um, culture, right? right. When right. we went from, from this, this uh, medical model of disability to social model of disability, medical meaning, you know, hey, if, if I'm a doctor, I'm going to fix you. If I can't fix you, sit over there. Versus now, you know, and people take a while. You have to, it's like being on a huge ship and then you have to change it a little bit. And people are like, huh, why are we doing this? Well, we want to be inclusive and people with disabilities and older adults and younger folk. We all need everybody needs to be, we are better, we're better for it when everyone's together. Right. And the second point you made, I think is also equally important is getting those people in the room because I think that, you know, and, and it is, I think changing slowly in, in other capacities when people talk about patient or patient centered medicine, uh-huh. um, that uh, people centered policies just that that it's usually the people who were most affected are closest to the possible solutions. Well, and I do think there would be one thing. I, I said, I think it's getting better where people are getting the voice of the lived experience. But what about, let's go one step further. Their, their experience is valuable to many projects in our community. Why aren't we paying for the voice of the lived experience? Hmm. I think we need to go a little, I mean, an honorarium, some type of, you know, transportation reimbursement, something to make it of value and and that you you value that input. I really do think it's, I think that's the next step for this, mm-hmm. valuing that input. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so being a, um, uh, a cosmopolitan and yet parochial New Yorker, Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, you know, it's, it's always, it is interesting for me to see models like yours, you know, popping up across the country. Um, and, and yet it's, it's not that, um, not that easy. And, uh, you know, and there, there is some activity where I am, but it, it takes time. What do you think really, uh, and drove it, you know, in San Antonio? Cause you really, you guys are really way ahead. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Um, I think it was the area foundation making that commitment. Um, knowing that it was going to be a long-term endeavor. And um, we are the only collective impact in-house at the Area Foundation. So I'm really proud that they were like, no, we need this and and it's going to be here with, it's going to be housed with us. So we are the actual backbone to the initiative. But I I think it's, you know, we need people to, we need salsas everywhere. Every every time I go out talking to anybody, like, we need salsa here. I mean, across the country, from, as you said at the beginning, from Colorado to Florida, we mm-hmm. need we need this initiatives where we're looking at one thing and we are focused on it and we all agree how to get there. Right. 
I, I think that you mentioned the San Antonio Area Foundation. So it does seem that you need a collective group of people who get it, but you do need a few real champions, right? Who really are passionate and, you know, and, and that's, so yeah. that's the foundation, right? Yes, that was the foundation's role. Um, and then they gathered um, the leaders in the community and we've just been really building on top of, and, and you would have thought during the pandemic, you know, some of the organizations had other things to think about, but we actually grew um, during the pandemic. And I think it's, I think it's the opportunity for when people come here, it's to, you get to work on an issue and not in an issue. You know what I mean? When you're working, if it can get frustrating and, and um, just, you know, possible burnout when you're working in something, you feel there's no, no solution to, or you can't see it where you're at. When mm -hmm. you come to salsa, you're actually working on something at a higher level. And I think that I, when I was on the other side, when I wasn't working at the area foundation, I was actually a part of the salsa collective. Mm -hmm. I was um, housed over in transportation and it always felt like I was coming to a think tank. You know, I was, we're going to do what we're going to do this. And then we get together and, it was unlike other collaboratives, we were actually doing things mm -hmm. that people know that these aren't just meetings, we're actually doing things, um, supporting, collaborating, really connecting with each other, um, not and, and outside the initiative too, right? Really aligning our work. So it's right. when it works, it's Ron, it's it's extremely powerful. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to come up with a uh, come into a break in, in, a, in a shortly, uh, Jane. But when we come back, I, I'd like to talk a little bit more of that about you know this notion of um, basically transforming collaboration into collective impact, because I think a lot of people talk today about collaboration, and it's 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 a helpful word. It's a it's a buzzword. It's 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 a true word, and yet it, it involves more than just sort of you know, working together with people to, to really make change. So we're going to talk about that when we get, come back. But folks, we're going to take a short break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be talking much more with Jane Pacione of the San Antonio Era Foundation's um, Salsa Initiative. America at facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Bright Horizons College Coach, a team of former admissions and financial aid officers, the show takes a deep dive on subjects such as choosing the best essay topic, negotiating merit aid, and navigating the common app. Listeners will learn what really goes into college acceptance decisions from the experts who used to make them. New episodes drop Thursdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Jane Pacione, the Managing Director of Collective Impact for the San Antonio Area Foundation, the creator of a unique program known as SALSA, Successful Aging and Living in San Antonio. So before the break, uh, Jane and I were talking about um, what, what's in her title, which is Collective Impact. And just I asked her to give me some examples of, you know, how do you transform collaboration into commu- uh, to collective impact in terms of your goals and programs? I think I mentioned earlier about, you know, alignment is really um, important in collective impact. So collaboration normally is in addition to what you do, right, when you collaborate. But in collective impact, it's what you do. Mm. So we try and get everyone to align their work to the same North Star. Um, Collaboration sort of normally looks like convening around programs and initiatives, where we're, we work more on outcomes, inputs and outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. If we do this, this is going to. Um, data is sometimes used in, in when you look at collaboration, data is used to prove. But in collective impact, it's data is used to improve. So if someone has something that's going really well, why aren't we doing that and more of that? And how do we get that even better than it was? But I would say the big key thing, the difference between collaboration and collective impact is the alignment that, you you know, it's not just you doing your separate things and getting together and having chit chat. This is what you do. This is aligned with where you're going strategically. Right. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. Um, and even um, when dealing with uh, people with age-friendly initiatives where I am, I think that's that is one of the obstacles where people look at um, these age-friendly policies as sort of an add-on to what they're doing. So you don't get that kind of commitment. It's like, oh, okay, I got, all right, now I got to do this besides my regular job. Right, but if they think of it or look at it through a different lens is this is what we should be doing. It's more of a realignment and a, and a tweak. As I said before, it's really, it's what it's what we do. And, and so I'm more... And, you know, that can come with some, that's why collective impact's hard because it takes a little give and take. It takes a little, you know, sometimes giving up, giving up and moving. Yes, I agree to this. So I, I think that's why um, 
you know, it can be challenging and it's more long-term. Right. Now in, in, in San Antonio, for example, does this require sort of um, the imprimatur of the mayor or the, you know, the, the leadership of the community or how do you get that buy-in? Well, we get it one organization at a time. And remember this is cross uh, segments. So it's not just the city of San Antonio that are at the table and Bear County, which is our county there at the table. It is the for-profit and non-profit. So it's everybody who works in this ecosystem that when you're sort of tweaking it and you're going, ah, should faith-based organizations be here? Definitely. Should government be here? Yes. Should veterans be here and the military have large military bases here? Of course. So how do we get those people in the seats and then get them in the right seats on our salsa bus? Because it can get hot and spicy, as you said earlier. (laughs) So it's not mild at salsa. I mean... (laughs) We all get on because we all see that, you know, we believe in a San Antonio where, you know, older adults are respected, thrive and enjoy connected lives. That's what we we want for all of our older adults. That's what we want for ourselves. Yeah, great. Yeah, what you just mentioned is I had forgotten, but mentioned earlier, but yeah, it's getting everybody at the table once again, I think. And I think that's, these are complex problems and uh, they require different sectors, not just government or not just nonprofit, not and. Business needs to be part of it, too. Exactly. I, I don't think we think that, you know, everything can be, you know, food insecurity can be only for the San Antonio uh, Food Bank to solve, mm-hmm. right? We are, we're all in this together. And it really is, um, it has that movement feeling to it. You know what I mean? It has mm-hmm. that, hey, we're in this together and people share information. Hey, I saw this article. I just read this. I attended this. This is what they said. So it really is um, a collective. Um, and we have, a, of course, older adults. Mm, right. Um, so we mentioned earlier the idea of reframing aging. And I know that there's a work group that, that in Sasa is working on this. But this is part of a big, right? There's a there's yeah. a national reframing and aging initiative, right? Yes. From the Gerontological Society of America, they're the ones that house the re, the National Reframing Aging Initiative. So if if, if your um, listeners go to www.reframingaging.org, you can get some powerful information there mm-hmm. about the initiative. But this is going this is going on. It's time has come. Um, and sometimes when we're out there talking to community, it feels like we're pushing on an open door. People are ready to hear this and go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That really does make sense. Now you're saying that because the the reframing aging initiative is based on social science research. So it wasn't just someone sitting around going, oh, I feel, I think this, the frameworks Institute actually went out and did a massive study and surveys and interviews to find out what is America thinking about aging. And we found out some things that just, weren't, you know, weren't aligned with what the experts already know. For example, um, how big concern is ageism? Experts in the field know it's extremely important. Um, and we should be concerned because we can't get policies and programs moving unless we have this support. But really out there in the general public, it's really not thought of as an issue. Because mm-hmm. they're thinking workplace, don't we have laws for that? Um, what's the role of public policy in aging? Experts in the field say it's central. 
we know it's central because that's we know it and the um public just thinks it's limited a limited they have a limited role in that Mm -hmm. so and i think you can see this on tv the research also said how should we approach aging experts and i think you and me think hey we should embrace it because it's a good thing i mean if you're not aging what are you doing (laughs) right (laughs) something you don't want to be um but the public has been trained to look at as a battle i mean if you Mm -hmm. look at some of the anti-aging wrinkle creams and whatnot on TV. Really? Is that where we're at? So, you know, there's a big difference between um, this public perception. I think that's why, you know, we want to reframe aging. Mm -hmm. Aging is good. Actually, aging can be great. comes with its own challenges, but so do different other stages of life. Ageism is bad. So ageism is the stereotyping of prejudice against and discrimination towards people because of their age. So when I think of that, when I think of ageism, it's stereotyping. So that's how we think, Mm -hmm. prejudice against how we feel, and then discrimination towards that's how we act because of someone's age. And this can happen across the lifespan. But it does happen more to older adults, but it can happen to younger people too. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, now you, we mentioned uh, that this when why is age in such a problem? Well, and then it you've mentioned to me before that well because it gets in the way of everything, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's true. Um, when you look at ageism, I mean, if you just look at it in um, healthcare. Uh, I think the the number is $63 billion ageism costs our country um, every year. And that's tough to think about. We have so many other things that we can be doing with $63 billion. And it's, you know, people are like, well, where's that come from? It's you going to the doctors and the doctor saying some ageist things to you and you decide I'm not going to get that treatment or it's under-treating or it's over-treating, it's, I mean, it's just, um, it, it's literally, when you when you get doused with the reframing aging um, research, you sit there and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. What was that? How did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know this, ageism can be internal too, can be institutional, but it can be internal. And we do know this, people who have internal ageism sadly are less likely to seek medical treatment or preventive care mm-hmm. or likely to persist in um unhealthy uh, risks like smoking or drinking more likely to experience a cardiovascular event which is very scary more likely to experience functional decline and more likely to experience depression ageism has a hard um impact on and, and then if you see someone or listen to someone who has experienced ageism i have a friend linda burton um and she described in in the workplace uh an experience she had and it was heartbreaking to listen to that you would think your your friend would be treated like this so it really does 
or it can affect everybody. Right. You know, one of the things that struck me is that um, part of the issue is a larger cultural issue and approach that I've I've mentioned and I've thought about before. And I think I've mentioned on previous shows, in fact, but this is, especially in our society, you know, we are a technologically based society and meaning that we, and, and it can be very effective in terms of solving problems, but the use of specialization. Um, uh, so it's like, okay, well, we have all these older people. Well, let's just put them all together. Well, and if we just deal with them all together, then then that's a more efficient and effective way to deal with older people. So we silo them, you know, and we, well, we as we do this with the younger people too. Um, but um, I guess what I would love to see is, is more of a, just a, as you put, reframing like, this is just a natural part of life. It's yeah. not like young and old. You're not young and then old. <laughs> right. It's a continuum of our of our life. I mean, I think when you speak to people in their 80s, they don't feel like they're in their 80s. They feel like they're in the best year of whatever that year was, right? Right. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's when it othering, I have to be real careful with it because it's so easy for me because I'm in an aging initiative to go, wow, older adults, blah, blah, blah. It's all of us. We are mm-hmm. all aging. So it's not one or the other. You don't have to pick older people o- over younger people. We're all in this together. And I think as long as we can look at it through that, I mean, think I, I, Ron, one of the most profound things is think of an of a society or a community where there is no ageism. People get to work as long as they want. Policies include older adults, younger adults, whoever's voice that it needs to include, which is everybody. Health older adults who are in the healthcare um area or sector they get to feel respected they get to feel heard i mean relationships there is rich opportunities to to learn there's wisdom to gather i mean i don't know i i think that's where we where we need to go mm-hmm. one of the things that i uh recall hearing in one of your previous uh, conversations was um language so, uh, which I, some of which I found fascinating in terms of, uh, again, how older people themselves at different ages perceive different words, like seniors or senior citizen, or we talked about the evolution of uh, people with disability, you know, disabled people versus, you know, right. stuff like that. We had that, we had that old nasty word, remember at the beginning, cripple. Mm. And then we went to um, handicap. And then the golfers stole that back. And then we went <laughs> to uh, disabled. And um, now I think we're firmly in the person with disabilities, person first language, which just feels, it just feels right. Mm-hmm. It's a person first. So yeah, there's there's a word choice matters when we're talking about older adults. Um the Frameworks Institute did great research and, you know, they, they looked at, and I know we're cutting down on time, so I'm going to try and get this out there. But when they looked at um, the words senior, elder, senior citizen, older person, older adult, and then they put on top the competence um, pieces, right? Competence-related objectives like technology-capable, 
they saw older adult as being the most competent. Mm-hmm. So the le- least competent was the senior. So it's so, our minds are amazing, aren't they? Mm. Implicit bias is in there. We don't even know we have it. Um, Harvard has a free implicit bias test that you can just Google a free Harvard implicit bias test. You get to take some of these tests that look over age, disability, um, color of skin, race, um, LGBTQ. I mean, you get to see all these things and just knowing about them, right? Just knowing about them, um, you'll be able to or help you navigate your world because implicit bias, we don't even know we have it. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, you know, I heard about these the different words, and but I, I hadn't connected it before to perceptions of, of competence. So that's yeah. what really I found interesting. Um, and I think, yeah, we don't, you know, we're, we're still, uh, you know, we're looking at certain words, which of course, you don't you want, but, you know, geezers or old people, stuff like that, sort yeah. of derogatory language. But, but these are subtler things, which I think still make a difference. And we still have a ways to go on this, but at least we're paying attention <laughs> so that's optimistic for me um so um uh, I, we have a lot more to talk about uh, we have one more terrific segment coming up um so uh, we're gonna and we're gonna talk about a little bit more about um the health system and the consequences to a system that also divides people to prof- into professionals and where we're sort of age segregated and uh you know some of the issues with respect to age equity and health so uh, folks, um, we have a lot more to talk about with Jane Pachione of the uh, San Antonio Area Foundation. So don't go around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. 
If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking to Jane Pagione about a unique program known as Salsa, Successful Aging and Living in San Antonio. Before the break, we were talking about various aspects of ageism and segregation of society by age. And I wanted to get into a little bit of uh, about some examples of that in the healthcare system. But before we do that, I just wanted to finish up our discussion about some of the words and, and language. And we were talking earlier about what, what, does, what does reframing age look like in terms of language? An example of that. I'm going to give you an example because it's my most favorite example. Um, imagine two senior shuttle buses. One on the left says senior shuttle, and I think you see those throughout America, but the one on the right, and this is a live example, so congratulations to the people in Boston, um, but Boston's senior shuttle says transporting Boston's most experienced people. Which bus do you want to be on? <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about when we're reframing aging, when we're looking at it through a different lens, um, because I, I, words matter. It, it, it makes a difference. Certainly does. And I think that even, you know, I, I think it's still senior is so part of the language. I mean, they're just, it's still there. Uh, but I have found myself, you know, substituting whenever possible older people for senior. Um, yeah. um, because it's, I think it takes time, right? It takes time as, as trying to, I, I was told by someone at the San Antonio library when I asked for, uh, disabled parking, because that's what it was called back, you know, when I was driving and the lady, uh, the young woman told me, ma'am, that's accessible parking now. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I love it. I love that word. And of course I use accessible parking. People will look at me like, and I go, Disable parking. And right. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So it's a, you sometimes have to give up both to sort of move the language along. It's called accessible parking now. So yeah. it's difficult. I mean, you mentioned a word that's, uh, uh, I think it turned into a, na uh, from a noun to a verb, but othering, which I think is, is still an issue, even when you identify certain groups of people. And it's, yes, there, there are certain shared characteristics and problems and issues. But it's hard not to then be, for that demographic to be othered. You know, they're they're not the norm, right? I, it's it's something we've got to work on because we have to use individualism. It's so easy to roll into that when we're all just looking on our self or our own little clique or group. We've got to look at this as we are all aging. That's what the goal is. We are, we want to age. We benefit when everybody's at the table. We benefit from, I mean, at the beginning of this uh, century, we were the most age 
inclusive, one of the most age inclusive societies out there Mm. or integrated. Now we're the most age segregated. And it's like, we just aren't. And I think if we just, you know, get a piece of paper, scribble the top five people you're hanging out with the most, are you in situations or environments where you can have an intergenerational exchange mm-hmm. conversation? Because there, it, it, we add to each group, right? When we are together with younger people, with older people, we benefit from wisdom and energy of different groups being together and seeing through different lenses. So intergenerational programming, if you have it in your city, go check it out. If you have the opportunity to be with younger people, or if you're a younger person and you have an opportunity to um, speak with someone who's older, I mean, and it's not that one person's idea or wisdom or experience is better than anybody else's. It's different. Mm-hmm. And older it, adults just have more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I, you know, before we came on today, I was looking at uh, well, as, as I mentioned, so this is Older Americans Month, and I, you know, and. Uh, I think that's fine. Just sort of focusing on the contributions of older Americans. Although, as we all we mentioned earlier, it's like I guess I'm an older American, but I don't think of myself as an older American. Um, I think of myself as an American who's older, <laughs> to put it in language. Um, and I was thinking, well, hmm, is there is there a multi generational month? And um, I know that there are examples abroad. I think there's a, or there are intergenerational days in Canada, I think. And uh, yeah. I think there's some ac- active um, programs in, in Scotland, I think I found, but not yeah. here yet. Well, hold on. I, Ron, I found this um, last year, at the end of last year. Gener- Have you ever heard of Generations Over Dinner? No, I haven't heard of that. I mean, I know that there there's Generations yeah. United and there's... Uh, Gen to Gen. So there are some organizations right. that focus on this. And this yeah. is Generations Over Dinner, where you hmm. are having meals with different generations. Hmm. And and who, who sponsors that or who hosts I that? I think that is out of the Modern Elder Academy, M-E-A. I'm not 100% sure, but I have a contact here if any of the listeners are interested okay. in finding more out about um, Generations Over Dinner. I think it's a great – I mean – Food is a great uh, uh, healer, but it's also a, a great leveling experience. Mm-hmm. So having those conversations and really getting, you know, getting down into some, and it's sort of facilitated. They have questions that you ask and um, everyone that's gone to one that I know of, and I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed the time. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, certainly, yeah, food food is the great <laughs> uniter is, in that because right? you know, I, I find it sort of humorous that uh, we have all these issues about immigrants and uh, you know, immigrants come to this country, but we have no problem with immigrant food. We love all sorts of foods from exactly. all sorts of cultures. And you know what? I know people make fun of English food, but I think we're doing a lot better. I've heard people, um, I said, I always ask, what, what do you think of the food in England? They're like, it was really good. Like they're shocked, right? Mm-hmm. Because of course we may have had a bad, um, what's the, what's the, we had a bad rap for food, but um, we're doing so much better. Right. But there's a lag in perception. So we have to correct it's, that. That's exactly right. And remember this is, you know, that cognitive 
gap that our brains just are, they're amazing things, but they want to do, they, they want to click into something that they remember. So when you think about aging, even when you think about aging, they're thinking about, well, how did, if they don't have that experience, how did granny do it? How did granddad do it? And it's like, oh, hold on a minute. We're not aging like our grandparents. It's such a different um, experience. So trying to hook into um, that cognitive piece that's in our brain is not a good idea. And it just doesn't let us dig down into, because you remember like, oh, that's how granny did it. That's how she felt. Or that's what she had. And it's like, you don't go any further because you've already, oh, we're done. But it's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on a minute. That may have been that time at that place. What's happening now? Right. Um, before we go, I, I wanted to make sure that we talked more about um, what really people can do. So you mentioned that this, you know, reframing aging, it's a huge social endeavor. So what are some of the things that people can do to uh, not only combat ageism, but lift up aging and also promote these kinds of programs where they are? I think that you can um, look for the Reframing Aging Initiative. I think you go to reframingaging.org. You can email us and we can get you hooked up with a presentation or discussion about it. We're gonna be coming out with a program um, with our friends in Colorado that we're gonna be uh, doing so if you're interested in um you know digging down into reframing but also really if you're dedicated like we are at the area foundation to getting rid of ageism then you want to uh check in with us and see if you can be a change agent so that mm. program um is going to be coming out soon so if you want to be on the list to find out about it i think that's good i think another thing you can do is Becca Levy, Dr. Becca Levy from, uh, I think she's from Yale University. She has a great book that came up last year called Breaking the Age Code. Mm-hmm. It is a phenomenal. We had a um, book club on it. And I, I will tell you, I will never think about a senior moment the same way ever. Mm. So it's well worth a read. And, you know, even doing a little book club with your friends. Um and maybe it's conversations, just gentle conversations with people. Ageism is another ism, right? It mm-hmm. can be extremely painful. It can be, um, you know, just it, it can stop you in your tracks. So really looking at, at ageism and how we can counter that and what we can do actively. Um, and one of the things I always say, if you think you've just heard someone just said something ages to you, don't get upset. Just say, why would you ask that? Or why would you say that? Give yourself a couple of seconds to sort of get past this whatever piece here and just go, why would you, why would you say that? And just, you know, know that you don't have to, to react negatively, but also sometimes I think people just, it's so culturally embedded. It's mm-hmm. so hard to pull out. Um, what is ageist and, um, you know, so I, I would say get more training on it. The conversations are rich in any of the classes I give and, and the rest of the trained reframing aging facilitators give, but we do this online too. So you can be anywhere. 
mm-hmm. and um, get a really good conversation about ageism and what we can do to eradicate it from our communities. So does the reframing um, initiative institute that they have um, um, training for in this they, capacity? They have training. They have um Lots of, if you love to read, they've got lots of great, all of the research that the Frameworks Institute did for the Reframing Aging Initiative. It's all on that website where you can download some really good, um, I would say stocking stuffers at this point, but some really good things where you can go, okay, this is what I'm going to put in my, my back pocket when I go and talk to my doctor. And he said, well, that's just age. Well, hold on. My other knee is the same age and it's not hurting. So that might not be the problem. So um, looking out for ageism and um, jumping on it when we could see it is a good thing. Yeah. So in terms of uh, replicating programs like Salsa, um, do you you have any recommendations or do you have any kind of templates that you offer people? Um, It seems to me that, you know, one of the things is sort of looking for uh, you know, a space to to house the initiative. And it seems like uh, the uh, foundation, the nonprofit is a good place to think about because they can cross over different sectors and, you know, yeah. gather people around the table. Yeah, I think the backbone organization, I think that's the advantage of having it at the area foundation. You know, it's, it's a space where, you know, it's not a for-profit organization. It's not a non-profit organization. It is a community's foundation. So I definitely think that's a, a great place to start. But it starts with having conversations, get a few people together, talk to people in the aging ecosystem, have a little charrette and see if there's any um, any push forward anybody's like, yeah, I want to get involved with that. And then, of course, you can call us at Salsa, and um, we will share all of our knowledge um, because we think it's important to have many Salsas everywhere. Yeah, so let's let's just finish that. So if people want to contact you or Salsa, Jane, what's where should they go to? They can go to, oh, you can just email me at jpassioni at saafdn.org. Okay. And it's the San Antonio Area Foundation. And I'm Ron, I'm sure you can post that somewhere where they yeah. can get it. They don't have a pen currently. Right. But just yeah. Yeah. If you go to my yeah, if you go to my Roel Resources website uh, and click the 45 forward tab at the top there, you'll see um our episode with Jane and a little background, more background about her, and then the contact information and the website is listed there. So you can look at that as well. So, well, thank you so much, Shane, for a terrific conversation. Uh, much more to talk about. We'll have to have you come back and uh, see our progress in, after some time. So, uh, folks, if you uh, missed today's conversation with Jane, you can still listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. You can also find more, as I mentioned, for information on roelresources.com on the 45 Forward tab. And uh, so be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'll be talking with Diane Jakobowitz, the founder of DanceWave Company, who will explain the emotional freedom technique known as EFT or tapping and how it can reduce pain, stress, and anxiety. It's part two of a unique two-part series. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank 
you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.